Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at BBMGlobalNetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. Welcome to Both Sides of the Prescription with your host, Dr. Megan and Dr. Ron. Both Sides of the Prescription brings together Dr. Megan and Dr. Ron to discuss pertinent medical issues from both an alternative and traditional medicine perspective. So now, please welcome the hosts of Both Sides of the Prescription, Dr. Megan and Dr. Ron. everyone to both sides of the prescription radio show on BBM Global and Tune In Radio. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. I am your host, Dr. Megan Kirschling, and like always, I am joined by my father, Dr. Ron Kirschling. Hello, Dad. Hello, Megan. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. So we are talking about tonight genetically modified food, and we're going to discuss all the reasons why I think we should really look a little bit more at these foods and just be better consumers when we're making purchases um, when it comes to everything from fruits and vegetables to also when we talk about even now fish and certain meats. Uh, So we're going to really talk about the controversy when it comes to genetically modified. I think it'll be very educational, lots of great information. Uh, But before we get into the conversation, let us tell you a little bit more about ourselves. I am Dr. Megan Kirschling and I work uh, in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, and I have a clinic that both incorporates the traditional and allopathic uh, medicine. And I've worked everywhere from organ transplant as a nurse to a functional medicine clinic um, using alternative practices, supplements, chiropractic, uh, and other means to help people to heal. What I've learned from my time in healthcare is that a lot of times we look at these topics from one side or the other, that a lot of times medicine Uh, the conversations when it comes to alternative versus traditional, uh, people take one side and really sort of stick to that side. We don't meet enough in the middle to talk about the good, the bad, and everything in between. And I think a lot of times this comes at the um, expense of the consumer, you guys, uh, that are using uh, professionals and different healthcare practices, because a lot of times we're just looking from whatever polarized side we come from. So I wanted to have these conversations, wanted to have these discussions for that, for the sake of being able to really uh, help the listeners. And I wanted to have them with my father, Dr. Ron Kirschling. So a little bit about myself. I am a traditionally uh, trained uh, physician. I've been in clinical practice for over 30 years. 
I subspecialized in medical oncology and hematology, and so my day-to-day work is primarily with um, cancer patients. And it is very interesting that um, although those patients uh, come to me and are very committed to therapies that I would give as a medical oncologist, for years uh, I've faced patients who have sincerely asked me, you know, yes, I'm going to go through with the surgery, or yes, I'm going to go through with the chemotherapy, or yes, I'm going to go through the radiation therapy, but what else can I do? Um, Because dealing with diseases like this is a natural and important point where patients kind of look at their whole lives, and they understand that um, they really need to look at issues of wellness, so they are concerned about uh, what should they do physically, what food should they eat, um, what do they need to do in their relationships. So this is a question that I've been facing for years and years, and um, it is an interesting marriage, frankly, with um, following Megan. As you see, uh, she's had a very interesting route through healthcare, uh, been interested in multiple different areas. And um, I think the conclusion of all of this is that she's exposed me to areas of healthcare that I probably would not have noticed, such as functional medicine and integrative medicine, uh, to, the, to my benefit and hopefully to the benefit of my patients. Uh, I believe, uh, as Megan said, that um, what we're in this for is the health and wellness of our patients. And in that context, uh, if our patients are looking at all avenues in which they can improve themselves, it uh, just makes sense to me that as uh, providers, we should be willing to look at uh, all topics, be open to them, and open to how they can help our patients. And as you probably can tell the listeners is that when you are exposed to the more allopathic world, it's not that scary. Right. You know, I I think that um, what sometimes happens is that, uh, unfortunately, if we leave ourselves uninformed, I think we we make or we create uh, our own idea of what the other person is like, and and I think that oftentimes um, puts us in boxes or silos uh, where we we um, we think we have to protect our ground and be suspicious of someone else. So I, I think that it never hurts for us to be in, informed about um, all of the options that people have. And um, I think it makes, it makes us better providers, uh, but I also think it makes us realize that in the, in the foundation of all of this is simply the fact that we want the best for our patients. And I think that as much as I would ask you to believe that I want that as a medical oncologist, I would also expect that you should be, be able to know that from my standpoint, if you're seeing a cancer patient in your clinic, Megan, that I trust that you're trying to do the best for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an important point because we all got in this to help people. It's just that we've had different educations, different tools, and then really different realities because you know we do sort of see the power in what we use daily, but a lot of times that isn't and shouldn't be at the expense of other people and what they're uh, trying to achieve in their specialties. You know, I think that um, 
having been in this quite a while and kind of dealt with this interface, um, oftentimes it's perceived in the sense of, well, I don't want some, I don't want you to be doing something else that may harm what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But in reality, um, I think that although when you make these arguments, there, there are always certain points that you can make pro and con. I think in reality, what we've sort of missed is the fact that there may be this, this whole realm of areas where we in fact can work together to the benefit of the patient and the, the possibility that we're gonna be harming each other is probably far, far less than the fact that we, we may be helping the patient by being cooperative. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It definitely is at the best. It's for the best of the patients. And that's where I think these conversations are so important to have. Uh, I'm excited to talk about the conversation tonight because going over and the reason why I came up with the topic to really talk about genetically modified, uh, really GMO, genetically modified organisms, is because I think that when we talk about the controversy behind it and really the two sides of the story, I think that the um, education is in the story. And I think it brings up a good discussion, but also I think it uh, really talks to the fact that one of the things that I think people can do to be healthier is to at least be more knowledgeable about GMOs, genetically modified food. Um, So I think it would help though for us to really start with the basics, to go back and just talk a little bit about truly what is genetically modified food, what does it mean, and the history a little bit um, before we... uh, uh, before the first break, so that then we can all be on the same page. Yeah, I think that's fine. I um, I, I found in looking at tonight's um, this, uh, talk that um, there were some really fascinating correlates that I could see with what I've dealt with, which a long time is pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. and drug development. And so uh, I think this is a, a very interesting story. I think we'll have disagreements, but I think it's a fascinating thing, and I think uh, a very interesting topic for our for our listeners. So I I agree with you. I think maybe we should just start kind of at the beginning with, you know, what would we be meaning when we say that there's a genetically modified food? So. GMOs just by definition stands for genetically modified organisms. So that can be anything from a plant. So we can take a plant and genetically change it. So we, I think it's important to understand how we do this and why we do this. Um, so we can take a gene and we can implant it or put it into a crop and a seed. We can put it into an animal. Um, genetically modified foods in the United States actually started with dairy and cows um, and the ability to be able to produce more milk. And so when we look at genetically modified, then what we're doing is we're genetically changing an organism, whether it be an animal, like we, there's a big discussion now about fish and salmon to plants and seeds and soy and corn and things like that. But what happens then is we make a completely different seed. So let's take the seed, for example, cause it's sort of the easiest to understand. We can take what we know would make a seed stronger. So we can decide that we might want that plant to grow faster. We might want it to be able to withstand its environment better. So we might make it more resistant to pesticides, herbicides, or even environmental factors, or that we just wanted to have a specific shape to it. Um, And what we can then do is put the genes into that seed so that it then is a 
different, more resistant strain. Um, and then this will help to yield more crops. It will help to decrease, uh, you know, any uh, destruction of it from different pests and things like that. But that gene interacts with the plant and causes it to be different. Yeah, and I think it's, um, you know, I think it is a good point to to at least state at the beginning that um, there are reasons to believe that there are, there are good reasons to believe that there may be some role for this. Um, as you said, uh, it, the people who are proponents of it suggest that uh, it, it, of course, can be done safely, and we'll discuss that, but they're basically talking about uh, trying to modify something which will allow, um, and I've heard up to 20 to 30% greater yield um, with the idea being that uh, the production of more food um, is, a, is a very worthy cause. Um, but I think that the really fascinating thing about this is that when you put this in a capitalistic system, um, a, dis a distortion can occur in this and um, while it is being used for supposedly benevolent reasons, um, it also uh, is driven a lot by the fact that continuously genetically modifying um, seeds uh, results in the ability to sell, sell them and uh, results in tremendous profits for, for the industries that are in this. And that's really the good... Uh, thing to understand is that the reason why genetically modified, and when we start to talk about some of the percentages now of different crops that are genetically modified, the reason there's a push for it is because of food availability. So especially when the research and the biotechnology started, which was really back in the 80s, starting to look at this all throughout the world. So, you know, looking at it in the United States, Europe, and every other place that looked to, you know, start to do this, the whole desire was to make more food. That knowing that as the population grew, that there was going to be a concern with not being able to feed them just by conventional standards. And so that's sort of where the idea of genetically modified, um, you know, took off. When they started to look then at the side effects, that's when this really started to become a story of, and to me, it's interesting because it sort of almost becomes a sci-fi story of what is good for the companies and, you know, biotechnology versus what is good for somebody's health. And I think that's where it's sort of an interesting um, conversation. And I think that's what people have to understand because the key, I think, is to really understand this so you can make better choices as a consumer. So I think we should take a commercial break, but we'll be back and really start talking about um, why genetically modified has become more popular, what percentage of crops are being genetically modified, and how we can start to identify these in our food sources. So stick with us. You're listening to Both Sides of the Prescription on BBM Global and Tune In Radio. Dr. Rob Moyer is the director of the Ocean River Institute, and he is passionate about saving the ocean by helping dolphins suffering from nitrogen pollution. Nitrogen is a dangerous pollutant, affecting our oceans, altering ocean ecosystems, and contributing to global warming. The Ocean River Institute provides opportunities to make a difference and encourages people to go the distance for savvy stewardship of a greater and bluer planet Earth. 
partnered with organizations from Massachusetts to Florida, Alaska to the Caribbean, the Ocean River Institute's mission is to foster involvement in conservation and environmental monitoring by facilitating grassroots efforts at local and regional levels. Hello, I'm Rob Moyer of the Ocean River Institute. Please visit our website at oceanriver.org. Sign up for free e-alerts. You may call us at 617-661-6647. Our email address is info at Ocean River. Become informed and then act with us. Thank you. Joseph A. Moylan is the owner of Ion Health, which specializes in very unique medical devices. Ion Health offers biomats, alkalife, and frequency machines. Biomats are a far infrared and negative ion emitting FDA approved medical device. With many different sizes available, you can place them on your bed, on a massage table, or on a seat in your car. It is an unobtrusive way to health. Alkalife machines are water ionizers that cleanse and raise the alkalinity of your tap water, making high alkaline water. Frequency machines utilize certain frequencies to kill viruses and bacteria. These devices are safe and effective. Coming from a health-conscious background and studying physiology at the Academy of Natural Health, Joseph A. Moylan has 15 years of experience in the health field and wants to help you live a healthy, long life. Visit www.ionhealthbiomats.weebly.com or call 765-520-2988. Don't let your health go astray. Get in touch today. Welcome back, everybody, to Both Sides of the Prescription radio show on BBM Global and Tune In Radio. So, um, Megan, we were talking we we're talking about genetically modified foods, and uh, we talked a little bit about what we mean by that. Uh, we also talked about some of the reasons why uh, this has become accepted uh, for the potential benefit in crop production, um, but. It is interesting that uh, this really took off in the in the late 1990s, and it it is in a time sequence, you know, frightening, frightening, frighteningly um, close to when we've seen sort of an explosion of uh, certain uh, chronic illnesses, mm-hmm. and. Well, I don't think that we want to say that the two things are inexplicably linked. Um, it does raise the question, is our food source, and when we start to talk about how much GMO foods are in our food source, um, could that be some aspect of what we're seeing in terms of the explosion of chronic illness? Well, I think a really interesting conversation um, is the fact that, you know, the 80s is when we really started to do the research. The United States and Europe really started looking at genetically modified food together. Um, They went two different, there was a fork in the road and they went two different ways. Europe um, sort of treaded lightly and, you know, doesn't use genetically modified food uh, uh, a lot. And then the United States really incorporated it in, in 1996. And one of the things that I just see clinically, and I think one of the things that we all can like talk about and sort of see is the difference in like food allergies and food sensitivities and the fact that, you know, people have gone from, you know, when the only food sensitivity we used to really talk about was celiac disease. And now pretty much everybody knows somebody that has to have some kind of food limitation. I do think that in that conversation, not necessarily a number one culprit or the only culprit, um, has to be really 
genetically modified and the fact that our food has changed so drastically in 20 years to be completely different organisms. And our genes are meant to interact with other genes that we're exposed to. And so the fact that we're putting in these foreign genes and proteins, that's what our body is meant to really go after. And so I do think that we have to look at the fact that there would be some kind of effect from us, you know, uh, eating and being exposed to these proteins and genes that are completely foreign to us. And that a lot of them are meant to kill herbicides and pesticides and things like that. And they're also meant, which, you know, we can um, sort of talk about, but they're also meant for these companies to also be able to use more pesticides. So an interesting thing about a lot of the genetically modified is that they actually make it so that they can use more of their Roundup and glyphosates and things like that, that we know are toxic. When we look at the research of glyphosates, I think that's a really scary conversation. Um, and we can use more of it now because more of our food is genetically modified. Well, I agree with you. I think that we, we have to be very aware of what's happening with our food source I think the unfortunate thing is that, um, and and I see some similarities with you know the pharmaceutical companies and 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 the promotion of drugs is that um, it it appears to me that a lot of this uh, research has really been uh, private research uh, by the food industry, and obviously they have um, a bias, mm-hmm. and consequently one has to be very careful about really feeling whether their research is a complete analysis or not. And I think, you know, I think my impression is, is that um, unfortunately we really do not have extensive developed research that is uh, unbiased to look at this issue. And I think one of the pleas that we have to have is, um, is, uh, is for our government, for the National Institute of Health, to, to really more seriously look at this um, as as part of research on health and wellness. And I think that that is really a key to take away is that when we eat, especially in larger quantities, um, genetically modified organisms, you know, a newer really food to our bodies, that we are the guinea pigs for long-term exposure. Uh, what has been proven is, you know, that, and it is really interesting when you look at the history of what, you know, the FDA has allowed is that they have to prove to the FDA that they're safe. And right now I'm doing air quotes for safe in the sense of the fact that they're not going to kill anybody in a short period of time. Um, but when we really look at the long-term effects, the research has definitely been skewed because a lot of the research then is funded and um, put out by the companies to prove to the FDA that it's safe. And, you know, if you're going to ask me to do research, um, you know, that is going to benefit me, I'm going to skew that research to try to make it look like it's a positive thing. And so, you know, I think that's one of the problems is that we don't really have um, the the biased, the unbiased research to show what genetically modified can do over a long period of time. So I think this is a, you know, I think from my standpoint, this is not something that um, I think we can argue, argue strongly that we can go to the research and say, well, look, listen, we can say unequivocally 
that the major reason that we have chronic illness is genetically modified foods. On the other hand, um, I, I don't think that we can't say that, meaning that I think that the research is still to be done and it's, it's important to be done. And I think your point is critical that um, we, we have to look at this not only in terms of short-term harm, but we have to look at this in terms of, uh, of long-term harm uh, because that, you know, really that's where we get into the issues of uh, health and wellness. And I did want to touch a little bit more on the glyphosate because I think this is a really interesting story. Um, glyphosate is really Roundup. So most people will know it by that word of Roundup. And um, it's used, you know, as a major pesticide. Um, one of the big players in this whole conversation, and not to throw, you know, companies under the bus, but Ma- Monsanto is the big company that uh, really does make a lot of genetically modified seeds and organisms, but also makes Roundup and has even made a genetically modified crop called a Roundup Ready crop. So by that, what happens then is they can use more Roundup because the plant is more resistant to it. We do know without a doubt that the, all the research that we drew um, that really is unbiased towards glyphosates um, is really scary. Um, glyphosates um, create a lot more uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver. And, you know, it's interesting because I've even seen in my practice um, young kids, um, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds who have elevated liver enzymes, which that was something that we used to only see with alcoholics or older people. Um and it's so it's clearly not linked to alcohol. And so we call that, you know, non-alcoholic uh, fatty liver. Um, there's also uh, huge hormone concerns and problems with more glyphosates. And so, you know, I think that that's a major conversation, too, when we talk about food. The more glyphosates that we can use, I think the more that, you know, the food source is going to have an effect on our health. And so when we have this conversation it's not just the actual crop too, but what that allows us to incorporate into our farming that is scary and is going to have long-term effects, not only on us, but also on other generations. Because I think that's the other thing that we're learning is, you know, anytime we've done any kind of genetic research, you know, so if you go back to even genetic class with the fruit flies, changes and things that we do right now affect other generations. And so that's why I think this is a very important conversation to have and something for us to really take seriously. Well, and I think that, uh, you know, maybe in respect to this, uh, after the, the next set of, uh, of commercials, we should maybe maybe kind of point out to the audience the fact that this is not a, a kind of a minor aspect of our food service now. Uh, genetically modified foods is a huge part of uh, what people are eating today. And um, so this is, uh, is something that really requires our attention. So after the break, we'll talk about the most genetically modified foods, what percentage of our foods is that, um, and then what we can do to make better choices. So stick with us. You're listening to Both Sides of the Prescription on BBM Global and Tune In Radio. Renaissance woman, trailblazer, maverick. Those are just some of the words to describe Tashandra Poulard, owner and CEO of House of Virgo Entertainment, LLC, a woman minority veteran-owned entertainment company based in Washington, D.C. Ms. Poulard served 10 years honorably in the United States Navy and departed from active duty to pursue her dreams of becoming an entertainment mogul. House of Virgo Entertainment offers script writing, producing, directing, DJ services, editing, and more. 
They cater to businesses, corporations, college students, working professionals, aspiring artists and nonprofit organizations, and employ veterans of the armed forces. Tashandra Poulard is pioneering the way we view media and taking her brand global. Visit her at www.houseofvirgoentertainment.com or call 281-515-3740 and like her on Facebook at House of Virgo Entertainment, LLC. Certified professional coach Pamela Reeves can help you with your relationships. Motivational and image coaching are just some of the ways she can help you enhance all aspects of your life. Her book, Is It Love or Merely a Sick Attachment, helps readers clearly distinguish healthy, loving relationships from toxic ones. Ms. Reeves has put her words into action through Ray of Hope Kenya, an international initiative that provides outreach to victims of abusive relationships there with the goal of helping them rebuild their lives and the tools to avoid abuse. Ms. Reeves operates various business interest through her umbrella network, Nella LLC, and credits her success to her diverse work experience. Whatever your goals, whether striking a balance, reinventing your image, or simply lifting your lifestyle, Pamela Reeves will help you achieve them. Your life, your call. Dial 410-902-5715 or email Pamela at pamrego one at verizon.net. She's also on the web at pamreeves.com and on Twitter at Pamela underscore Reeves. Welcome back, everybody, to both sides of the prescription radio show on BBM Global and Tune In Radio. So, Megan, I think where I'd like to take this now is um, because this um, fascinated me, but also troubled me, is um, is just how pervasive uh, genetically modified uh, foods are. And I think once we kind of talk about this, um, people can see uh, just what an issue is if we're talking about our food supply. Um, this, this has only really been around 20 years when you think about it, but um, with regard to certain, certain particularly plant sources, it, um, it literally, um, it, it, it's almost difficult for, cer- for certain foods to not find them genetically modified. Mm-hmm. So by far the two most uh, Um, genetically modified foods are soy and corn. And there's different percentages that you sort of read about, but uh, usually when we look at soy and corn, about 90% of our crop now in the United States is genetically modified when it comes to soy and corn. So that's a huge amount. Yeah. And, but, you know, I think the thing that um, I think people need to realize is when we talk about corn, um, you know, our vision is uh, corn on the cob, but when we, mm-hmm. we talk about uh, our exposure to corn, we have to understand that it's uh, it's in many different ingredients, and you find it in, in a, a host of different processed foods and drinks, and includes uh, some things that people have heard us talk about before, such as high fructose corn syrup. So um, it's uh, in terms of the the influence of something like corn, you really have to look at, uh, you know, the influence in the makeup of ingredients of our processed food in high fructose corn syrup. It, I think it's also important to understand that maybe we would consider this a little bit indirect, but the, a larger portion of the uh, corn grown uh, in the United States is to feed livestock. Yeah. And obviously, um, that's another influence. And then when we look at soy, um, uh you know, it also is very heavily uh, used in processed foods and in restaurant chains. In fact, soybean oil 
is uh, in, is responsible for 61% of Americans' vegetable oil consumption. Um, it's also used as an emulsifier, so it's used in a lot of dark chocolate and in candy. So sometimes when we look at the this issue of corn or soy, we think, well, gosh, I have minimal exposure to this because I don't eat a lot of corn, or I, you know, I, I don't, um, I, I don't know where I would get, you know, exposed to soy. But the, the fact of the matter is, is it's almost impossible not to be exposed to the two mm-hmm. of them. Well, and that's the interesting thing is that when we really look at where corn and soy are, because they are such a prevalent crop in our society, they're in a lot of hidden foods. And so even soy, um, movie theater popcorn is actually a high percentage of soy. And who would have, you know, who would think that? So it's amazing how these can really be hidden in our foods because we use them so prevalently because they are not only a large percentage genetically modified, but they're a large crop for us. So we've found ways to hide it in your food. Yeah. Some of the other ones that um, that are largely influenced are sugar beets, alfalfa, canola, papaya, summer squash. But the, the other interesting thing um, is the fact that in order to try to, to produce an apple that doesn't brown, um, mm-hmm. many brands have now become genetically modified. And uh, to produce potatoes that don't bruise, um, yeah. now we now have this in, um, in those common staples of our diet. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think I've shared this on the um, show before, but it's interesting in the fact, too, that they're now even just genetically modifying certain potatoes to make McDonald's French fries because they need a very specific potato that doesn't have any brown spots um, and is the perfect length to make the perfect McDonald's French fries. And so, you know, when there's a huge demand, even just for one certain French fry, then there's a huge demand to make more of that crop. You know, uh, when you begin to actually put yourself to the test and say, well, listen, I'm going to uh, pick up this box and I'm going to look at the ingredients and I'm going to shop based on the ingredients. Um, I think it would be literally almost impossible for, or or you would, you'd have to spend every waking moment of your day um, deciphering, you know, whether or not that processed food had any genetically modified component. And the estimate is, is that on our typical supermarket shelves now, over 75% of of processed foods um, have some kind of genetically modified component. So uh, it's um, it's in the water. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so I think a good thing to talk about you is to help listeners know how they can make better decisions and how they can find foods that are not genetically modified. Because the, the next controversy with genetically modified foods is probably a lot of people have heard about is whether or not to label. And there was a lot of talk about this, um, you know, in the last two years about whether or not we should start to label. Um, you know, about two years ago, they started to realize that they could make genetically modified fish and salmon and that a lot of our fish now was going to be genetically modified and then whether or not we should start labeling this so that people could make that decision. And Again, it comes back to, you know, um, politics and it comes back to controversy in a, uh, you know, capitalistic society. But what came back was that um, the companies didn't want to be, have to label. They didn't want to have to be able to tell that they use genetically modified. So with that, as a healthcare consumer, you've got to be a little bit more savvy and we're here to help you be more savvy. So well, I, I think, think, I think oh, it is. 
interesting, Megan, because you're absolutely right. Yeah, even today, um, my understanding is is that a lot of this uh, labeling is is voluntary, and uh, and there is um, there is a lot that's done. Honestly, I think to deceive the the uh, consumer. Um, so the one of the one of the ones that that I find fascinating is um, is a label of natural, right? And uh, actually, apparently, in in advertising testing that they've done, um, natural to most consumers seems to be more healthy than organic. But in reality, natural literally um, doesn't mean anything. Uh, right. There is no penalty to put it on almost anything, and it really has no relationship at all to whether or not there's uh, any genetic modification occurring in the food. Yeah, and that's a really important thing to really understand is that when something says natural, it means absolutely nothing. So, uh, And that's why it's important to read the labels, but then also know what those labels mean and what kind of um, criteria they have to meet in order to get that label. So natural you know, and that's why you can look sometimes at some of these fake juices and things and it'll say, you know, natural juice or things like that is because there's not a lot of regulation on that word. Um, really, the best thing to look. So there's sort of steps. So you can look for non GMO, uh, which uh, means that, you know, there is no genetically modified um, organism in that food. Um, but again, there's not as much regulation in that as there is in the word organic. So organic, you in order to be USDA certified organic, uh, you have to really make sure that there is no GMO. And so the regulation then for USDA organic is what's going to keep you really away from the GMOs the most. But actually, Megan, you have to even look a little bit closer because as I understand it, you can have organic on the label and still technically have up to 30% of the content be GMOs. And so what you actually, if you want to be really safe about this, you have to look at 100% organic. Yes. Uh, and and, and I, I, I think, you know, the point that we're trying to make here is that um, the system is not working with you. Right. The, the system is trying to deceive you. And yes. so um, even even terms such as uh, free range or cage free, mm -hmm. when we talk about meats, doesn't necessarily mean GMO because as I understand it, for example, with uh, cattle, um, it's not, it, 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 it isn't uncommon for cattle during most of their life to, to be uh, grass fed. But then towards the end of their life, they're put into these livestock situation. They're put into these uh, livestock where they're fed oftentimes GMO containing feed, which uh, which hopefully fattens them up and it um, allows, for example, better marbling of the meat. But obviously then makes that meat uh, um, genetic modified meat. Um, but they could still list it as being grass fed, even though it's not. Um, that 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 is not genetic. It, it's it still can be genetically modified. So a lot of the terms that we hear that would make us feel reassured, you really have to be a bit skeptical about. Right. Exactly. And really understand what it means to use those terms, because 
like you said, which I think is a great point is that, you know, they're trying to deceive us by nature because uh, of the fact too, that now a lot of people are becoming savvy and they want to speak to what a lot of people are demanding, which is to have more pure, more organic food sources. But the truth of the matter is, is that they want to try to get away with sneaking in some GMO and some of the other crops that are more lucrative for them to utilize. Yeah. I, uh, and so I think that um, if it's, if it's possible, you want to really look at a hundred percent certified organic. Uh, the other, the other point that that was interesting to me, and um, I think you could probably um, use as a general maxim is uh, if you like fish, and we generally think of fish as being a good protein source, um, be very wary if you ever um, hear that the fish is farm fed. And mm -hmm. in almost no circumstances is um, farm fed fish going to be anything other than genetically modified because of the use of uh, genetically modified grains in that situation versus wild caught, wild caught fish. Right. Yeah. And so really looking at things like that to realize like in order for it, uh, and I think we're learning more and more about um, farm, uh, farm raised fish and the negative parts of it. But when we look at that, that really, those are the kind of things that we want to get away with or get away from. The other thing that I think is important is how to look for produce. So because even, you know, staying within the periphery of a grocery store, people think, okay, well, I'm not going to be exposed to as much genetically modified food, but there's a lot of information by looking at the stickers. And I think a lot of people don't realize this, that if you pick up, um, you know, an apple and you look at that little sticker, you can get a lot of information from that on how it was grown because all those numbers on it, the PLU. So the thing that the, you know, cashier puts in to say, okay, it's $5 for this, you know, um, pound of apples that what we're looking at those PLUs, they actually give us a lot of information. So PLUs all have numbers. And so, you know, they have, you know, four numbers or five numbers. When we look at PLUs with four numbers, so if we look at that sticker on the side of the apple, that if it has four numbers, then we know that it was grown conventionally with pesticides. So that there were pesticides that were used and it was just grown conventionally. If we start to see five numbers, um, then what we can look at is to see that, look at that first number. So if it's five numbers and it starts with an eight, then we know that they use genetically engineered um, seeds. So if your apple has an eight at the very front of it and has five numbers, then we know that it was genetically engineered. If we look at it and we see a nine at the front of it, then we know it's organic. And so that tells us the story then of the fact that then it's an organic apple or banana or whatever produce that we're buying. So I think that's very, uh, you know, important for us to know, because, you know, as we all read labels or look at the food we're eating, um, I think it's important to know and read how we can decipher the produce. Yeah, I think that's a, a very a good point and, again, a valuable point. Um, you know, I, the other thing that's uh, commented on that I think um, is very hard to argue with is um, when you're trying to look at this problem and solve it, it always helps if you're um, shopping, shopping locally or you're buying Whole Foods. Um, you're much more likely to be in a favorable situation um, in that kind of, uh, if you're using that as part of your thought process. Definitely. So, 
All right, we are going to take a break for our last commercial break, but stick with us. You're listening to Both Sides of the Prescription on BBM Global and TuneIn Radio. America is out of control. Today's capitalism and the approach to money is in fact the symptom of a more widespread pattern of excessive behavior. In his book, The Culture of Excess, How America Lost Self-Control and Why We Need to Redefine Success, clinical psychologist Dr. Jay Slosar portrays an America where excess fuels the drive to succeed. Dr. Slosar examines the cultural factors that lead to excess ranging from obesity to fraud to pervasive budget deficits. His book examines the powerful economic and social factors and their impact on our psychological well-being. Dr. Slosar explores the psychological impact of increasing narcissism, perfectionism, self-destruction, and our identity confusion. He offers recommendations for helping Generation Me become Generation We. Those who resist Slosar's message will want to avoid his discussion of regulation and his recent message that at this point, democracy must be more important than today's capitalism. Get his book now online or by visiting thecultureofexcess.com. For over 50 years, Evelyn Stapula has been a loving advocate for people with disabilities throughout the state of Pennsylvania. President and founder of Big Heart Bridges, her organization actively campaigns for legislation and support of civil liberties that meet the needs of disabled individuals with housing, transportation, and employment. Ms. Stapula has joined forces with a variety of esteemed organizations that advocate for the disabled. She serves on the board of the United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh and the Governor's Cabinet and Advisory Committee for People with Disabilities, and she is a consultant for the Pennsylvania Governor's Conference for Women. Her many efforts have led to the implementation of a transportation program for the disabled with the Access Paratransit System of Allegheny County. Evelyn Stapoulis drives daily to serve the interests of the disabled, to protect their freedoms, and enable them to live normal public lifestyles. To learn more, please call 412-491-2605 or email Evelyn at ers92645 at verizon.net. Welcome back, everybody, to Both Sides of the Prescription radio show on BBM Global and Tune In Radio. So, Megan, I, I, um, I hope we haven't uh, scared our listeners um, with this topic. Um, I find it... Well, education can be scary, but it's, do, it's not doom and gloom. It's power. Well, I hope so. But um, I think it might be helpful because, uh, it, you know, in preparing for this, there were some, you know, some interesting things that I found out. For example... Uh, you know, we talked about the fact that shopping locally uh, is valuable. It's valuable because um, you, in a farmer's market setting, can actually talk to the farmer and find out the techniques that he uses in growing. Um, oftentimes, the farmer's markets have a small mark, a farmer, a small farmer, uh, um, uh, small farmers in the sense of farmers that that are interested in this and um, and can discuss it. And I also found out there there are what are called local community supported agricultural farms or CSA. And you might be able to Google that in your local area. And uh, they oftentimes have newsletters and things like that that could be um, that could be very interesting and helpful. Yep, and I know a lot of people too. Um, there are CSA, you know, in Minnesota. We only have them in the summer a lot of times. But they actually will um, send you boxes each week of locally grown crops. And so that can be not only really beneficial um, and healthy, but also sort of fun because you get local crops and depending on what sort of harvesting at the time. The other thing that I found uh, interesting was 
as I said, to me, it would be pretty imposing to go to the supermarket and and take a box off of the uh, shelf and look at the ingredients and try to figure out uh, what that meant in terms of uh, genetically modified um, ingredients. But uh, the Center for Food Safety has actually created um, an app for the iPhone and an app for the Android that you can use um, that can can help with that and um, might be a really interesting adjunct for somebody to use um, to help out with this problem of uh, how do you shop um, for non-GMO products. And who is that that put out that app just so few people can search it? Well, uh, the Center for Food Safety. Center for Food Safety. Center for Food Safety. And then the, the other thing, Megan, that I found fascinating and um, I want to put a shout, shout out to Chipotle's because I uh, I understand that they've announced that they're going to be non a non GMO restaurant. Um, I I have to apologize because I I don't know if there are other major chains that have also taken on that uh, pledge. But um, eat Chipotle. Yeah. So they actually, so it's interesting because there's even some controversy about this that you probably don't know about, but politics is that Chipotle um, went, said that they were going GMO free. And as some of you might realize is there's been a couple times um, in the last uh, year or so where Chipotle has been under the fire for contamination or for sickness or things like that. And there's even some political politics or controversy behind that to say, that uh, some of the companies are behind that to try to get them to not go GMO free. So this is a very controversial uh, conversation. Yeah, you know, I um, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist about this, but um, you know, we're we're talking um, we're talking big business. I mean, we're okay. talking. Uh, um, we're talking about the large companies that uh, depend upon a robust uh, food industry. And, um, you know, this is, uh, th- this is uh, a step that's taken uh, that is, you know, kind of a David versus Goliath uh, kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for other restaurants too, another source that, um, I've told people about is there is something online called the non-GMO project, and that will list other restaurants and food sources. Um, if people are looking for a list of other places to go that um, have been uh, that are going non-GMO, so that's the non-GMO project. So, Megan, let me ask you because uh, we talk um, about food a lot on these broadcasts. Um, and you deal a lot with uh, patients who you work with their their uh, food in terms of getting them well. Uh, understanding, you know, these issues with regarding food allergies, uh, where does suggesting a non-GMO di- uh, a food uh, diet for somebody really fit into this? You know, versus uh, looking at uh, specific food allergies. Well, the conversation that I really sort of you know, think needs to be had. And, you know, looking at nutrition, not only have I studied it, but as you know, I also teach it and have taught it now for about seven to eight years. Um, But one of the things that I think is really sort of interesting about the whole conversation of nutrition is that it's such a developing science, which really science in general, you know, besides, you know, latest and greatest in medicines and things like that, 
we should have more of a grasp on nutrition than I think we do. You know, when we see where nutrition meets health and wellness and meets a lot of these, you know, medical conditions and concerns, I don't think that we have a lot of answers. I think we have a lot of questions. I think we have a lot of conversations, debates, um, and conversations that need to be had, but I don't think we have a lot of answers. And when we look at genetically modified food, um, and the fact that we're trying to change the genes of the plants and food sources, not only are we doing that, but we're doing it at a very high level. You know, like you said, soy and corn, 90% of, you know, if we just eat what we normally would eat and not think about the food choices we're making, 90% of the soy and corn that we're eating is going to be genetically modified and that it's hidden in a lot of foods that we don't even realize that this is going to affect the way that our genes interact with, you know, um, not only the food source, but ourselves, because we are bringing it into our environment, into our bodies. We're trying to break it down through our digestive system. We're probably not great at digesting it. And then all of a sudden we have to interact with that foreign gene and protein. And so um, I really think that people need to know more about genetically modified food. I think they have to know how to um, really find out what is genetically modified, because I'm not saying that you know, it's going to be almost impossible. And as years go by, even more impossible to live in a genetically modified free world. But I think the more that we understand it and can say, okay, we can make better choices with the produce we buy, with the, um, you know, foods that we buy, reading labels and things like that, the more than that we can uh, not be exposed to as much genetically modified food. Yeah. And I think that's probably a good point is, is uh, I think one of the things that we would want to say here is, what we would petition um, our listeners to is is try to simply become better informed, and um, you know the the necessity to be to have a completely non-GMO uh, diet um, may be very hard to accomplish, but there there can be four or five simple things that you can probably do that would really give you a better and cleaner uh, cleaner diet. Yeah, definitely, and I am going to go out there and say that I will. Not guarantee. I can never guarantee anything. But really, I think that what you're going to find out is that in the next 10 to 20 years, we're probably going to look at genetically modified food like we do with trans fats or even with cigarettes that, you know, they were the food that we all, you know, sort of said, is there is it good or is it bad? And just like we found out with trans fats, you know, for the longest time, people would say, oh, it's not that bad. It's fine. And now, you know, we've learned that there's no safe level of trans fats in the human diet. Same thing, that's really, you know, um, engineered fat uh, that has a negative effect on our health. And I think we're going to find the same thing out with genetically modified, where I do think that there's going to be pushback, that it's going to have to start to be labeled. And we're going to find out that there's probably not a safe level of genetically modified food in our diet. Well, I think I think that's an interesting point, And I think it's something that people should ponder. I, I think my understanding of the politics in the food industry as such that I think that um, we always need to carry some level of skepticism because I think you're right. I think um, uh, we're 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 in a circumstance where we're having to deal with the interface between capitalism and uh, health, and uh, that's a kind of a slippery slope or, or a tightrope, however you want to look at it, that uh, is hard to balance on. And this also adds more to my, you know, belief that it is important for us to educate ourselves. It's important for us to understand 
these not so fun topics because nobody in this society is going to be accidentally healthy, that we really have to look at all of these things and know for ourselves how we can make better choices. So Megan, uh, just to summarize a little bit, we, um, we started out kind of defining what genetically modified organism is, and it's actually any kind of process which is different than the, the natural method of reproduction. Uh, we talked about the fact that uh, we have to at least be aware of this as an issue, understanding that it's been present in our, as a prominent part of our food source for about 20 years, and that's a period of time where we've seen a rapid change in the, uh, the presence of uh, certain chronic illnesses. We talked a little bit about the fact that there needs to be a lot more unbiased research done in this area. I think you gave a very fascinating example of glyphosates and uh, the harm that they may they raise. We talked a little bit about the fact that how this has integrated itself so extensively um, into certain foods that are just staples of our diet, um, corn, um, fructose corn syrup, soybean, um, its influence on vegetable oils that we use. We talked about the need for people to be very suspicious about labeling and the, the three things that they should be looking for that are the safest are 100% organic, non-GMO or GMO free, but they have to be very careful with, uh, uh, very careful with others. I, we talked about um, some, some things that people could look at in terms of apps or projects or even locally that can help them with GMO. Yeah, I think it's a really good comprehensive discussion. I thank you for having it with us. And I think everyone should tune in again next week um, as we tackle more health conversations in 2018 to help you live a healthier life. Thanks everybody for listening and we will see you next week. Have a great week, guys. You've been listening to Both Sides of the Prescription with your host, Dr. Megan and Dr. Ron. So many times, people are only given one side of the healthcare story. Here, you get both sides. Tune in next week as we discover Dr. Megan and Dr. Ron's both sides of the prescription. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.